everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You are listening to the Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we are going to talk about hunting down the unicorn of sales consistency, hitting every quarter, every month, every year. We're going to present three different ways that in combination will actually help you to get there and a bonus one. Enjoy. So what some of the folks that are just just listening and not watching us on YouTube are might missing out on is uh, our sign works again. It's pink again. So I can't tell you how much stuff I have to fix today. Coming in, realizing that the sign was just it just wasn't working. I and I found the root cause, implemented a fix, and it's fixed. It's running. It's wow, running. Did you did you use the, Roblox to figure the, this out? <laughs> I could have, but the fuse basically yeah the fuse was done. Uh, so I had to swap that out. And then we had set the entire studio up. And you knew what happened? We started getting uh, technical feedback on the audio as the next thing. So it was just like... <sighs> so there's so much energy and brain juice going into the production of this wonderful show. So I hope I think, you enjoy um, it. I think you should write on LinkedIn about how much handyman skills you need if you want to be head of the manjen somewhere i'm not even kidding i took a i took a picture of my desk it's it's usually in the past it used to be just a laptop keyboard mouse that's it now there's a scissor screwdriver tape cameras there's like it's littered with stuff littered with stuff it's the it's the podcast macgyver setup yeah totally but enough about the podcast macgyvering uh we're gonna talk a bit about macgyvering sales yeah, bad bad segue, bad segue. We're going to talk about sales consistency is what we're going to talk about. Yes, it's the unicorn of sales. <laughs> yeah, how, how was it you put it? Everyone is chasing it, but uh, no one no one seems to be able to get it. No, exactly. So just to be kind of really clear, so what, what is what is the, the difficulty here? It's really the ability to have AEs hit their targets consistently, right? That means... You know, the opposite of choppy. <laughs> so one one quarter, 150%, the next quarter, 20%, and so forth. Yeah. It means that ideally, even within the quarter, that there's some consistency, right? Mm. Uh, so, you know, many folks listening probably will have that. Uh, it's called backloaded, backloaded quarters. So suddenly yeah. the whole business is closing the last two weeks of the quarter. And, you know, while while at the end of that, you as a, as a leader are like, whew, you know, that worked out. <laughs> The other 10 weeks leading up to this, is it's really not fun, yeah. uh, by the way. So what, what do people want? Well, they want to have a consistent rate of closing and so forth. And it's it's really difficult to come by and, and we wanted to talk about this. But the funny thing is you want hockey stick growth, just not in a quarter, <laughs> not in terms of sales consistency yeah. towards yeah. the target. Let's zoom into each quarter, <laughs> hockey stick and yeah. hockey stick and hockey stick. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're going to talk a bit about today, and and one of the reasons it's uh, it's pretty darn important is because you want to achieve a bit more predictability. Yeah. You don't want those jagged ups and downs. Yeah. Uh, you know, causing you lack of sleep and heart attacks and whatnot. You want a bit more consistency to grow consistently. Mm -hmm. So, how do you actually get steady upwards growth? Yeah, and I, th I think the the usual way to go about it, and I see this like a lot of times, is really focusing in on the the rep. Mm. Right. And it's like, okay, so what, how does the forecast look like? Yeah. Um, and, you know, let's have a forecast meeting every week and let's drill into this and, you know, drill you on, you know, where, or grill you rather. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, grill you <laughs> rather on, you know, what might be wrong where. Yeah. And this is how you as a manager sometimes are trying to 
try and grasp at the predictability of that, right? So if I grill you a lot and if I make this, a, you know, semi-uncomfortable situation, you will be motivated to the next time have, you know, better news to share or something like that, right? <laughs> and that, no, I mean, that's 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 totally a thing. And uh, if, you, if you do this with a rep that isn't so confident, maybe it hasn't, you know, hit target in a while or it's just not that senior, they will give you all kinds of silly things that you then, you know, latch onto. And it's like, oh, wow, yes, we can, we can totally hit target, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the other piece is, okay, if, if my reps aren't hitting target, you know, more sales enablement, help them, help them, help them. Yeah. Uh, give them all kinds of other things that they might be wanting to have. And it's, it, this, this sometimes takes you down this rabbit hole of um, idolizing the AE, yeah. which I see happens a lot. And then it's almost like, okay, what else do you need? Yeah. You know, it's a gold-plated phone. Does that make you close more? Yeah, okay, you know what? You'll have a gold-plated phone tomorrow. It's no problem. Yeah. Um, and uh, you kind of keep stacking on things because you think that's the problem that you need to fix. But it ain't. And I think that's that's a bit the conversation today. Yeah, I mean, the interest for me to tee this up as an episode was we recorded the, the comp plan mm -hmm. episode and you said, well, this is really just, you know, 20% of what drives sales consistency at the end of the day. So we're going to get into... I believe three different areas mm -hmm. you've promised that you're going to go into and hopefully it's going to be some good stuff. Yep. So let's hop into the first of the three. Yes. So first one, duh, it's actually onboarding and offboarding. Mm. Uh, or I call it onboarding and performance management. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or PIP. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then obviously kind of when you when you add more AEs, uh, you, you obviously always need to make this decision to uh, you know, give them opportunities that then convert less, right? There's always that trade-off. As you add someone else, you basically will, you know, be less less so efficient, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there are a couple of uh, ways to uh, try and kind of get that, try and get that thing going on the onboarding side. When, and not talking specifically about, you know, the first week or what you should tell them or something like that. We don't have a clue about this. But really, when you think about it, uh, ramp to a degree. Let's just say you had a AE that starts on the 1st of January. And let's just assume that all of this training thing uh, is already has, taken, you know, has been taken care of. For some reason, mm. person starts on the 1st of January and comes fully equipped. You know, knows the, the platform that knows the competition, knows the talking point. For some reason, all of that, you know, is already there. So how would then ramp up actually look like well it probably has to do something with uh, your sales cycles yeah you know thinking about it if you have sales cycles of two weeks smb um guess what if you give that person opportunities now um like you would give any other person you know you can math it out you probably the ramp up will be two months mm. and that's it right and then that person uh, would have enough supply to kind of, you know, work through that stuff, close deals out and would be great, right? If you have sales cycles that are nine months or longer, guess what? Your ramp up will probably follow the same thing, right? I think what many people sometimes misunderstand that ramp up, not actually really, really, it also does, but doesn't really, really have to do with knowledge. Mm. It simply also has to do with uh, sales physics, yeah. right? Kind of how many... How many sales process can you start and how many can you expect to kind of close within that time frame? Right? Yeah. And, you know, once you set someone up for success, uh, what will kick in is a bit more confidence, is a bit more understanding. Is It's also not this feeling of back against the wall that you have, especially with a new rep kind of starting out. So this little bit setting someone up for success drives confidence, which then also drives longer term confidence, right? So really 
first step in order to get uh, to sales consistency, obviously kind of do the do the ramp up in the right way mm. and think about not in terms of skills also, but the other piece is really, you know, how how many opportunities by when can they actually work through and how long does the sales cycle take yeah. for them to actually hit, right? And what you as a team then get, you know, confidence out of this, is this person not ramping because he or she is not skilled? And then you go into the next conversation. Or, or is that the case? And then actually we can, you know, have more confidence to put more opportunities to that person and then, you know, hit those consistently over time, yeah. right? You remove this looking into each other's eyes and kind of, is is that guy worth it or not? Yeah, yeah. You know, but like the way he or she dresses or all those silly things. Yes. Um, and then on the offboarding side, really, I think there are two pieces to it here. One is people will leave. Whether or not um, you put them on a pip and then, you know, manage them out or if they got a better offer or if they say, I want to be a manager or mm. if, you know, whatever they want to do, people will leave. Yeah. And what's really important is to plan for that to happen. And it sounds so boring all the time. Oh, okay, you know, just need to plan and then, you know, that's yeah. great. But yes, it has to do with uh, you need to, when you do your, your annual check or when you do even your quarterly check and you quote on the street and, you know, you stack it all up. What you should be doing consistently is take in a team of eight reps, take one rep out every quarter, every other quarter, and then see what happens. Yeah. Right. And then really kind of planning against that, either with additional hires or something else. There are some ways to create, um, you know, safety nets. That's basically buffers. We're going to talk about this just in, a, in, in one second. Um, but be aware people will leave and that will impact um, your your capacity to close, basically, yeah. right? The thing is, if someone is leaving and you're running an opportunity-based approach here, everyone, and this is a bit morbid, but everyone around that rep will basically celebrate. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, More for me. Yes. Everyone around that rep will be like, oh, Michael, I'm so sad to see you go. Um, Please put me in your will. But uh, <laughs> which which of the ops should I be asking for? Just, <laughs> just give me just give me the, the rundown. And and obviously not only what is in the current pipe. Yeah. And you can always have a conversation. Should you compensate that AE to give a little bit of a handover thing? You know, depends. Depends on how you part ways. Mm. But uh, much more importantly, so then all of those opportunities would have gone to the AE. Yeah. You know, the newly produced stuff is now being, you know, freshly reallocated, right? Uh, and, and, and usually uh, that works out. And the way you make this work out is, in my experience, uh, give all of your reps a 10 to 20% buffer. Yeah. You supply them with opportunities getting to 80% of their target or 70%, whatever you want them to hit. And then have a expectation that another 10, 20% should be coming from self-prospecting. Mm. Yeah? So if someone now leaves, you basically have to a degree excess capacity, you know, the self-prospecting part, yeah. and just give them opportunities instead. They will love that. That will be fantastic for them. So you basically kind of have some slack built in that then can take care of that, right? Mm. So what that now leaves you with is you have a better understanding of who of the new guys or, or ladies joining is actually executing according to ramp. So, yeah. you know, one less thing to worry about. And the other thing is then if someone then leaves either during ramp or after you have enough capacity left to, to catch those opportunities. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and, you know, if you have this under control, you have, you know, one reason for um, the fluctuation mm. is eliminated. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think we hear this quite often, this problem being, expressed as we're hiring too late or we're too slow to hire mm -hmm. 
and it's kind of a, a part of this this realm of issues. Yeah, the new raps, bad quality and so <laughs> forth, right? It's, a, yeah, yeah. it's you usually hear, hear all of these things being then blamed on that's the reason why we're not consistent. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not untrue, so I don't want to take this away, but there are clear ways to manage that. And you know what's really funny? I don't think in any other department you really effectively apply this mindset of, you know, the impact of hiring too late. Sure, people will fundamentally understand the impact, but it's not like they're going to sit and look at, okay, if this, let's just say a product manager is arriving two months too late, what are we going to do in the meantime? We still have, you know, stuff to ship. And I think if, if you're in revenue operations, this could be a helpful thing to consider at least. No, absolutely. But it's it's the same even for someone in marketing. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've had that conversation. Yep. It's taking longer to hire. We Let's bring in this freelance resource and do this and that, yep. right? And I think that's that's the smart way to go about it. So then the next thing, and I think this is uh, a pretty big part of, of why people have choppy sales consistency. And we have discussed this a couple of times here, and I don't think this idea is novel or anything like this, but it's really important to start executing and thinking like this. Think about it in opportunity supply. Hmm. So you, all your demand gen efforts, inbound, outbound, product-led sales, channels, whatever you have, yeah. that's your demand gen. And then your, you know, it's, it's shitty, shitty naming now, but it's opportunity demand, right? Kind of how many people want an opportunity. That's really the capacity side. Yeah. So uh, you get a thousand opportunities from your demand gen, great. How many reps do you actually need to work through this? Yeah. That, that's the question you need to ask yourself. And yes, then if you do the sales math behind it, then there's a quota and a target coming out of this. Yeah. But really the capacity here is how many of the, you know, at-bats can your can your AE team actually take at the same time? That's yeah. really the question, right? And if you have if you have a, a sales process that is split in two, meaning demand gen, SDRs, marketing, and so forth, and then the closing part, uh, which is then AEs, if you have that split in two, what you just need to make sure is that the opportunity supply matches the amount of capacity that they have yeah. and that you manage those two things uh, separately. Yeah. So what does that mean? If you have you know, those two departments blended together in the sense of NAE is creating the predominant amount of his or her opportunities and then also closing them, what you will see a lot is that after a great quarter, uh, you know, oh, closed... A close out all my pipe, you know, <laughs> um, and uh, then they, you know, it's true and it's not true to to certain degrees. Then they need to start generating pipeline again. They need yeah. to do the reach out and so forth, and they will be busy with that for a month or so. You know what? They're gonna flunk that quarter, and then next, you know, then they're gonna get a, a slap on the wrist, like, hey, you know, why did you only fifty percent? Blah blah. What can we do? All the sales enablement is gonna, you know, come in then. And then see there, next quarter, they're hitting 150%. Why? Well, because they spent three months uh, last quarter building pipeline to then kind of achieve this. Yeah, This is the up and down that you want to escape. Mm. And the way you escape it is by managing uh, opportunity generation consistently, Yeah, right? If you are consistent there, guess what? You're going to be consistent on the other side as well. And you can do that by separating those roles, right? That's why many folks that have ACVs north of 10K and then add the SDR function uh, because then you basically have that previously known as self-prospecting from yeah. the AEs be covered by a different function, mm -hmm. right? And as you kind of work through that and make sure that that is a nice straight line, what's going to happen on the other side, closing those out will be very similar. Yeah. Uh, it will still be backloaded and so forth. We're going to get to that in a second, but that's basically what you're going to uh, creating there, right? So it's kind of like having a supply plan 
to counterbalance your capacity plan at yes. the end of the day. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Um, then another thing to also just keep in mind is that depending on where the, the opportunities are coming from, let's just mm -hmm. say inbound versus outbound, they will behave differently. Oh, yeah. Right? And that will have an impact on the choppiness of your, uh, of, of your sales outcomes, basically, right? If you have, uh, maybe last year you had 50-50 inbound to outbound, you know, that's great, but inbound, shorter sales cycles, a higher conversion rate and so forth, versus an outbound, longer sales cycles, higher ACVs though, you know, lower conversion rates. If you now go into next year and you ramp up outbound, which usually people are doing, yeah, that will have an impact on when you'll be closing what, mm. right? And, you know, just having that in mind, uh, you know, when you plan this out, you can't expect the same conversion rates and so forth. And uh, that will also then have an impact on what your reps can close in Q1, Q2, Q3, right? Yeah. At some point when you reach your new balance between inbound and outbound throughout the year, right? Because you've ramped outbound up, you'll start if you, if you don't have it, uh, if you only have it blended, mm. you will start, oh, this is where our conversion rates and our sales cycles are now, you know, uh, balancing out. So now yeah. we can plan again. Actually, you made a mistake there. You could have done that from day one by just being aware that inbound and outbound is, you know, uh, working through the pipeline differently. And whenever I say that on sales calls, on, you know, go to market lives, wherever, it's every single, duh, yeah. that's so, that's super straightforward. Uh, but really kind of planning this in and having that part uh, enables you to kind of escape that, that choppiness in, yeah. in the sales cycles, right? And I think it's also, especially when you're dealing with a quarter where you can see you're veering off course and you need to now go and decide where you're going to buy those opportunities, mm. actually having them unblended is, is just key and also understanding the velocity because you know what? Maybe you can't produce those marketing ops or outbound ops depending on how they perform. Yep. You need to do whatever, yes. product sales. And, and I think that's super important to have that understanding. Super actionable takeaway for everyone here. And you can set this up in uh, Salesforce or wherever or in you know spreadsheet. Um, create a dashboard where you're tracking opportunity distributions to AEs for the mm. last let's say 90 days, uh, you know, rolling 90 day window um, and split that into outbound and inbound. Yeah. Yeah. Split those two things apart. And what you're then going to have is a really nice, you know, each column will be one account executive. Um, this, the, the height of the column will be determined by how many opportunities will you have given to these folks in the last 90 days. And then the, the stackness, so the split of the column is going to come from how many inbounds versus outbounds that they receive. Right? Yeah. And you want to probably have one for the US team and one for the EMEA team and one for the APEC team or how are you going to split it out because that's that's usually how the opportunity distribution is balanced out. You know, it's difficult to take for an inbound from the US and assign it to someone in the Nordics or like an yeah, outbound yeah. from Germany and assign it to someone in the US. You have those little pools that are bucketed, right? So you want to create a dashboard for each. And then, you know, number one, you can create really nice... Uh, transparency and clarity for the ease because otherwise it will come like, mm, you know, someone else could, you know, all the opportunities. <laughs> but it's also then for you and your manager or your routing system or whatever you're using an ability to try and, you know, keep track of things, yeah. right? So I, I would totally do that. And then number two, what I would do, and maybe this is something where you maybe need uh, like a BI tool, maybe something like Roblox um, to set something up that basically puts that AE performance into comparison of what you would expect. Yeah. yeah. And that now means, okay, they received X amount of opportunities, fantastic. But at the same time, you also want to know, well, are they actually working through them properly? Yeah. Right. 
and what did we expect actually to happen? So this is a bit, you know, more convoluted and I haven't, I don't think I've nailed the explanation yet, but basically what you can do is you can benchmark their performance against what the model uh, would have thought they would be doing, Yeah. right? So let's just say someone in the last 90 days received 100 opportunities. Your model conversion rate, because that's the, the average for the last year is 12%, whatever, uh, blended. And, you know, you have a certain amount of sales, uh, uh, you know, days of sales cycle in an ACV. The model then spits out, based on that stuff, based on the intelligence we have, you should have closed um, $150,000, whatever. But in reality, uh, the rep only closed $120,000. And now we can say, hey, that that person is 20% behind what was expected. Yeah. And you will never see that. If you only look at uh, how many, you know, uh, what revenue number did that rep hit? Because what could have happened in the background that they got a lot more opportunities. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so that then enables you, okay, someone got maybe, uh, everyone else gets like 80 opportunities per quarter. Someone else got 120. So what is it, 50% more than the rest? Mm. Both of them hit the exact same number at the end of the day. Well, you know, while you will pay both of them the same commission and stuff, which is right, you can clearly see that one of the two reps actually wasn't that good. Yeah. You know, there's actually a problem. And when you have that kind of a, a, a dashboard overview here, you know, it's like super simple, actionable solution, you will still high five that rep and say, fantastic, you hit target, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. super consistent. But actually you can see that, you know, the model uh, out of those 120 opportunities received would have expected X outcome and he's only at Y. Yeah. And there's a difference and you need to actually address that, yeah. right? Super actionable. Yeah. Do you, um, one of the things I, I was reflecting over, I had a chat with uh, our wonderful uh, GTM Live co host, Olafur. Yep. And we talked a bit about there's usually a difference also in what rep is actually suited for what type of op as mm-hmm. well. And maybe this is getting too nitty gritty, but you and I have worked at the same place. Uh, there were one gentleman who was really good at inbound, turning them over super fast, just knocking them out of the park. And then there was another gentleman who was really good at, you know, the longer sales cycle, very mm-hmm. high touch, usually ending up at the same place in terms of how much they closed, right? Mm-hmm. Is that something to factor in as well? Or? Yeah, so, I mean, this is also a little bit towards the sales manager. I would actually advise if you're in a mid-market or enterprise motion to hand distribute those inbound yeah. opportunities. I would actually do that. It sounds always like, Tony, aren't you like a RevOps yeah, it should be fair. guy. And <laughs> uh, you know, no. You know, it's it's not like you have thousand opportunities to distribute per day. It's usually ten. Yeah. If you if you even have a large team, it's a lot ten, right? Yeah. Um so uh, the sales manager can actually make that decision. Uh, and he or she can then also base it on, you know, either he needs more, mm. you know, that that can be an okay thing to do from a from a motivational and team yeah. management perspective. Or, hey, this op looks like you would be best positioned to close it. Yeah. Or it's like, you know what? This is Coca-Cola. I'm not going to fool around. My best, you know, it doesn't matter where they are on target. My best rep is going to get that. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and this is kind of how you can uh, steer a little bit here. Yeah. What this ultimately means, and um, uh, had a c- fantastic conversation with someone about, uh, uh, you know, strategic revenue operations. And he was mm-hmm. like, well, you want to have the planning. You want to have the monitoring. You know, cool. And then, you know, it went into business cases and, you know, what if we were to kind of change things around scenario kind of planning, you could say. And he was specifically mentioning, well, you maybe want to start, you know, as you grow, uh, RevOps maybe wants to um, suggest uh, some kind of split by segment. 
And this could be one segment, yeah. one split that someone could suggest. You know, I wouldn't do it around this one rep that is good at this. No. But basically you could say, is there a reason to have a team split to inbound and outbound? Yeah. There could be. But just as much, you could also do the split by uh, mid-market versus enterprise or product A versus product B yeah. or industry over here versus industries over there. Um, that can be something that uh, RevOps should be looking into in order to basically tangibly increase the conversion rates, right? Yeah. You segment down in order to increase the conversion rates for each, but it has obviously you know uh, implications on, on the larger team. Okay. So that was two out of three. That's right. right. So let's. My uh, math works out. <laughs> uh, so now the last one, and this is a bit, you know, uh, people might be like, well, you know, why is Tony talking about this? It's really around, um, uh, you know, mindset in that sense. Um, and this is one of my previous uh, VP of sales. He was kind of really strong around this, mm. basically saying, like, hey, we need to make sure that there's a clear sense of ownership of the target for the rep in place. Mm. Which really means, number one, you need to put them into a position where they can possibly achieve it. Yeah. AKA, you know, the opportunities apply, give them, you know, the, the product needs to work, you know, all kinds of things, maybe yeah. some pieces of bottom funnel content. But then also number two, when some of these things screw up, which they always will be, you know, crucial demo, last step with Coca-Cola, yeah. and uh, you get a 500 error on the login page. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, uh, or, um, uh, you know, large part of your target, hey, we have this new product, we're going to push it out, big marketing push, people are going to be kicking in our door, wanting yeah, to buy yeah. from us, and then crickets. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the list goes on. Or, you know, this SDR that was supposed to happen, uh, supposed to start, started late and then turned out to be a dot. So, you yeah. know, how, you know, building, building around that. And what's really important is that despite all of these setbacks, uh, despite all of these things that arguably math-wise basically yeah. make it impossible for you to hit, you need to you know find ways to make sure that the rep isn't auto giving up here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's that's really kind of the 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 really the really important piece here. Again, you can use the self-prospecting to a degree, right? Yeah. You can say, well, yes, SDRs didn't you know deliver enough opportunities. Marketing screwed up here. All of these other things, you can you still have the destiny in your own hands. You can still go out and you know do more self prospecting. You mm. can sit on your closing calls or just after call up you know your new best friend and say like, hey, do you have some other folks who might use this right yeah. to like a referral thing? There's all kinds of things that you can install for the sales rep to you know in a negative scenario stop having all of those fucking excuses. Yeah. Right. So kind of you want to kind of present it like that. But also, and this is really helpful when you have this um, SDIE pairing, yeah. right? it might not be a part, might be kind of a, a, a pairing, to then say, well, the SDR isn't performing, why don't you spend some time with that with your SDR and try and get that person to perform, Yeah, right? Kind of really open up some ways to make it clear, hey man, you can you can jump in and fix that yourself. You, you just shouldn't, you know, sit in the corner and give up. Yeah. And that also, that that's my other VP of sales from, from back then, basically kind of creating a, a almost a culture of uh, nothing is impossible or impossible is nothing yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. So really going in that direction, it's like, you know, screw all the numbers. We're going we're gonna to nail that target, you know, one way or the other, right? Yeah. And I think we had, you know, around this, you can try and help and support some of this through some incentive schemes and so forth. But incentives largely is like, again, it's like 20% or something like this. And the consistency here then comes in, uh, try and, uh, you know, if you have a backloaded quarter, pay more for some of the deals that are hitting earlier in the quarter, right? We have this pacing uh, example in another uh, episode. 
optimize for the year by having a, a fifth quarter bonus. Yeah. So if you hit the year 110% or something like that, you get a full fifth quarter paid out. And we had one or two kind of of these other things, right? But it's really important to, to create ways where it's increasingly so difficult for the account executive to sit there in his or her chair and be like, that's impossible to do, I can't, right? Yeah. And if you take all of these things combined and together, you know, with if there's a rep that's struggling, you send an inbound his or her way, try and get him out of this groove. If you do this really well, and you obviously execute well on the demand gen side and on the onboarding and offboarding side, you know, getting closer to this consistency of hitting, you know, between 80, 100%, 20% of your target, yeah. which means your reps hit between 80, 100% of the target. Getting there, that's like extremely, extremely useful. Wonderful. You know what? I have a bonus one. You have a bonus one. I have a bonus oh, one. Oh. Just thought about this. I don't have any sound effects right now. I can play on. Okay, well then, come do it. Can't do it. <laughs> Get this asked a lot. What's the you know? How do you manage a board target versus the on the floor target? The way we've been doing this is uh, the board target is what the effing board target is. You can't do anything about that. The target that the floor knows is the number that you're most likely to hit mm. to create you know positivity and you know we can get there. And then what you want to have between the sales manager, all the sales managers in combination carry the target that's on the on the dashboard for the for the floor. Uh, but then there is a gap, a buffer mm. between the summed up targets of the direct reports, so AEs to the direct manager. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, that's how you also create a little bit more of not everyone needs to hit 100% for the company to hit 100%. Everyone actually, you know, quote unquote, only needs to hit 85% mm. in order for the company to hit, right? You kind of create a little bit of buffers uh, where you will. Yeah, okay. Nice with the bonus. We need to do that a bit more often. I'm just not that smart. No. <laughs> No, I try to position you best to the best of my knowledge, you know. But so uh, you are actually smart because you send out an email every week. Oh, yeah. Where you I mean, your, your transitions, your segues is yeah. just next level like, stuff. Pow, pow. So, yes, we kind of transitioned the rev letter into a weekly one now, actually. Yes. Uh, and it's pretty cool. Uh, I got to say, it's a lot of fun writing it. And it's a lot of fun reading the responses from people that either call out my BS or have a follow-up question. Uh, the ref letter going out this week will actually be an answer to a follow-up question. Mm. Uh, so it's pretty cool. Uh, sign up on the website. It's, you know, growblogs.com slash revenue letter, I think, right? Yes. And the subject line is going to be, this is not BS, it's an actual, no. <laughs> oh, and by the way, we, we're bringing on a guest soon. That's right. Almost Big forgot. Transition. Yeah, Big transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is... I feel like we're graduating now from you and I having a semi-monologue for <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> To, yeah. um, I don't know, having like a fun ping pong game, maybe with, you know, one or two, by the so way, what you're really saying, amazing guests coming. What you're really saying is it, it's going to be nice for you to have another intellectual person on the show, not just me sitting hey, here. Hey, you said like, it. It was, again, your segue. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's, uh, you can check it out. Uh, it's uh, Leah yes. Taren. Yes. Hope I'm pronouncing it correct. I need to check up on that. Right. Um, we're going to talk about something PLG. There's a vote out on LinkedIn, exactly what we're going to cover. Yep. It'll be pretty cool. And uh, I think that's about it for now. That's it. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Michael. Thank you, Tony. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.